Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Put your hand over your heart, and if you're new with us, uh, the words will be on the screen. Let's make our declaration. Say this with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship, created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the Word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up holy hands. Say it with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. So glad you're here. Love on somebody. Tell them they're looking good. Y'all are looking good. want to greet our online audience. Would y'all give them a big hand? We have thousands of people that watch. Thank you so much. And uh, they're our family too, wherever you're watching from, and we're just honored to have you. Well, it's Christmas, and uh, we're in a series called Christmas Movies, and I have to just, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, I'm going to show segments of the movie, because last week we kind of showed an encapsulation of the movie. And some people thought that was it, and they left. Well, we saw the movie. We had our popcorn. We drank our whatever. And so anyway, it's not just about the movie. We're not coming to church to watch a movie. But we're going to just take some biblical principles from this movie. And I think you're really going to enjoy it today. But I want to talk to you about a glimpse of heaven on earth. A glimpse of heaven on earth. What they've got is they've got $1,500 checks That's what they have in their hands. If you'd like one, raise your hand and they'll give it. No, that's actually notes. And it's worth a whole lot more than $1,500. So uh, if you'd like notes. Um, I want to just begin by reading a passage of Scripture in Luke, the first chapter. But I want to um, tell you as well that one of the books that I'm working on, in fact, it's been for a long time now, several years actually, it's called The Wheel of Life Leadership. And in this particular book, I'm talking about basically eight different parts of your life that you have a philosophy of life in all of those areas, either by default or by design. And so, in other words, you have a, you have a spiritual philosophy, whether you realize it or not. You have an emotional philosophy, whether you realize it or not. There's a way that you process emotionally. There's a way that, that you handle anger. Uh, there's a way that you handle offense. So it's based on an emotional philosophy, not just your emotional makeup. And once you begin to own that, you can change that for the better. Somebody say amen. Amen. So there's a a physical philosophy that you have. Whether you realize it or not, you've got a physical philosophy of life. It determines what you do with your body. It determines what you put into your body. It speaks of your physical philosophy. The Bible calls this, in fact, God calls this a, a temple. He says that our bodies are his temple, his dwelling place. And so we all have a physical philosophy, either by default or by design. You have a family philosophy. Again, it's either by design or by default. Here's how I think marriage should work. Here's how I think family should work. You've got a financial philosophy. And again, you may not think this, but it's really true. Your financial philosophy is either by default or it's by design. Uh, You've got an occupational or what I would call a calling philosophy. In other words, how you think your career ought to go and 
and, uh, and your picture of that career. Uh, so you've got all these different things in your life that you really do have a philosophy of life in each one of those areas that dictate and determine what you do in those areas. And again, I'm gonna, I'm, I am writing a book about it. A lot of it is written, but it's the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably finish it in 2019. It'll be released sometime in 2031. Um, uh, the reason I say that is because I've got a book uh, that's going through the publishing process right now, and uh, it's just taking longer than I want it to take, so in case somebody's watching that can do something about that. But, um, but one of the pieces of the pie that I talk about in the wheel of, of life leadership is Sila philosophy. Not Sheila philosophy. But Sela philosophy, S-E-L-A-H, it's a biblical word. I don't have time to get into it, but simply you can encapsulate the meaning of that word as heaven on earth. And one of the questions that I ask people, particularly in my masterminds where we train uh, CEOs, small business owners, entrepreneurs, is, is really to determine what your heaven on, heaven on earth is and trying to teach people to ha- help discover what their heaven on earth is. And so... Today I want to just touch on a glimpse of what I'm calling a hev- heaven on earth. And let's look at Luke, the first chapter, the 26th verse. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was, some of y'all know this story. And having come in, the angel said to her, wow, boy, that progresses quick, doesn't it? The angel says to her, in other words, heaven's come to her earth now. So she's being spoken to by an angel. Let me say, hello, McKinney. I didn't, I didn't greet you guys the way I need to greet you. They're, a part of, they're very much a part of us. And by the way, so excited that we just purchased a new truck and a new uh, trailer, and I know that doesn't sound like, like a lot, but hey, Jesus needed a donkey and a colt. All we needed was a truck and a trailer. So thank you, McKinney. And we're, we're, we're bringing Jesus to McKinney. But, but the angel comes in, heaven visits earth and says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was freaked out. It's like, what is this? Like, what manner of greeting is this? Who are you? Because the first thing he says is not, hey, how you doing? God sent me. I have a message for you. I mean, he didn't do what, you know, know, don't you like people that like properly greet you? I think that's one of the most difficult things we teach children. And by the way, your children uh, learn things by default or by design. And so one of the things that we really strive to teach our children was how to properly greet people, how to look them in the eye, how to say, hello, how to respond to them, not just when an adult says something to them that wasn't acceptable. And, and unfortunately, if somebody ever came into our sphere in our family and uh, they had to watch me discipline my children, that means correct them and direct them and encourage them to do the right thing. And this poor person, all they did was say hello. And when my child would look down, I'd go, no, 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 we don't, hey, we don't do that. Hey, lift your head up, open your eyes. Look them in the eye. So it always took a little bit longer. But how many of you know leadership does take longer, but it's worth it. So again, we were very intentional about that. But, but I, I, mean, I like a proper greeting. I mean, I really do. I believe in a proper greeting. Like even when I'm sending emails and texts, I don't just like go for the juggler. Chuck, he goes for the juggler. I mean, Chuck, Chuck's like, 
He'll, he'll just ask a question, and I'll, I'll resend him a uh, text, and I'll say, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, and then we start. Because Chuck's just like, hey, what a, no, 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 wait, wait, you just entered in my world with a text. Proper greeting, hello, pastor, how are you today? Thank you. Even if you don't care, greet me like that. Okay, so are y'all following what I'm saying? How many of you know what I'm saying? All right. And if you're a boss, and I'm a boss, and I've been a boss since I was 27 years old, and I've employed people. And so if you're a boss, it's even more important. And you have to teach people how to properly communicate in the culture of your company and what's acceptable and what's anywhere I can get. I'm getting off subject here, but this is important stuff. Remember, the way you greet people is very important. Don't just be head down, butt up. Don't just be walking around in your world and bust into people's world with your agenda. By the way, if you're a salesperson, how many of you are in sales? If you work, you're in sales. You better raise up your hand right now. You're selling yourself all the time. And part of the way you sell yourself, watch this now, is to properly greet people. And if possible, before you ever try to pitch something to them, do your best to make them feel good about themselves and that their life just got better because you entered their sphere. Anyway, that's free. All right. So now back to this. Well, is that biblical? Well, in this case, rejoice. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. By the way, when she saw who? Him. That's the problem. Do y'all get that? If this had been a female angel, it would have been way different. Y'all listen to me, menses. The man, rejoice. You're highly favored. You're blessed of God. Some of y'all get what I'm saying. She was freaked out by him and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, hey, don't be afraid. Chill out, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of God of the most high God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And she's just sitting there listening to this as a teenage girl. Stopping looking at her phone long enough to hear from God. And not be comparing herself among everything she's seeing on the phone and comparing herself with Facebook and comparing herself with all of her friends and trying to feel good about what they're saying and what they're doing. But whatever she was doing, she put it down long enough to hear God and to hear who she was in God and to hear the plan that God had for her. Then Mary said, how can this be? How can this happen? since I don't know a man. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son in her old age and now it's the sixth month and she was called barren. Then Mary said this, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Would you put your hand over your heart right now and everybody say this with me. Say, let it be to me 
according to the word of the Lord. So I don't, I don't, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, I, I don't ever say this to the church. And it made me thought, well, maybe I need to drop this in the church every once in a while. Because I reserve what I'm about to tell you for people that I coach, not people that I pastor. And so when I'm coaching people, I talk to them on a different level. And one of the, one of the ways that I talk to them is, is about things specifically that relate to them. It's not just the God talk. It's not just, but it's, it's, hey, it's about your career. It's about your profession. It's about your family. It's about your marriage. It's about, that's what I do. And so I was talking to this person, and as I was telling him this, I thought, well, you know, I think I'm going to drop something tomorrow on the church. So is that all right with y'all? I said, is that all right with y'all? So, so, so this is just a little encapsulation of, of what we do in some of our masterminds. And that is, there are six basic needs that everybody has. Now, I won't go into what those six basic needs are, but two of them, one of them is going is, is to surprise you, and the other one you're going to agree with. Sometimes the things that surprise us, we don't know if we should agree with them or not. That's what we just saw with Mary, right? Like she didn't know if she should agree with this or not, but she's going, okay, let it be unto me according to your word. So sometimes we, we got to get past like what we think. That's why when you elevate your thinking, come on, y'all, you elevate your life. So, so here's the two things. The first one you're going to agree with. One of your number one needs is for certainty. Like we feel like the more certain we are, the more secure we are. So it's a it's a very basic need that we have, but this second thing is what we are going to have a hard time. Let it, just let it go in your mind. Say, I'm ready. You have a need, a basic need for uncertainty. No, 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 not me. No, I want to be certain. No, if you wanted to be certain, you wouldn't have married him. If you wanted to be certain, you wouldn't have married that. If you wanted to be certain, you wouldn't have married her. Because everybody that gets married, whether you realize it or not, psychologically, listen very carefully now to me, you're meeting your need for uncertainty. Because when you stand at the altar and you put a ring on it and you say, I will, I can, I want to, and for the rest of our life, till death do us part, Riches and for poorer, uncertainty. Sickness and in health, uncertainty. Till death do us part, uncertainty. Hey, by the way, let me stop for a second. When are you going to die? I'm really kind of uncertain about that. Let me, let me say something quick about suicide. <clears throat> suicide is a great paradox. And I didn't say this in the first service, so somebody must need to hear this. Suicide is a great paradox. First of all, it's a, here's the negative. And you think, well, suicide's all negative. No, I want you to listen to me. Suicide, the thoughts of suicide are a person that gets to a point that they think in their mind, it won't get any better than this, whatever it is. And I'm hopeless, and I feel helpless. And if there's one thing I can be certain about, it's that I can stop it. Hmm. Let me give you a flip side of suicide. 
The flip side of suicide is there is, a, there is something inside of each one of you. And really, really lean in here just emotionally with me for a second. There's something inside of each one of you that wants more. God wired you that way. He, he wired you because he wanted you to be wowed. When we fall in love, it's because we experience a sense of wonder. We, we experience a sense of wow, and yet we really never fall in love. Because, see, if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. And I'm going to get to that. I'll come back to that in a minute. But what happens is somebody that gets to the point where they feel hopeless and they feel helpless, here's really what they're saying. And this seems simple, but I want you to really hear it. It was supposed to be different than this. I I really did want more, and I don't think I can have more. So all I know is to end it. And as crazy as that sounds, one of the points that all people come to that take their life is the point where they say, I was made for more and I'm not getting the more and I don't see any hope or help in being able to get more. Unfortunately, what they do is they short circuit God's ability to intervene in their impossible. And that's what makes the people that we choose to align ourselves with so important because many of us have been at that place on some level at some time where we felt a sense of desperation and, and hopelessness. And yet what gets somebody to the point, it may be a chemical imbalance, it may just be in a weak moment, it may just be in the worst situation where they take their life. I want to, I, I if I can put some kind of positive aspect to this, which there's nothing positive to me about suicide. But if I can put the, a positive thought process in the, a very negative situation, it's that it's really a person that knows they were born for more. Uncertainty. You have a need for uncertainty. You see, the truth is, unless you take your life, you don't know when you're going to die. And yet in our minds, all of us kind of, there's like something on the inside of us because we have a need for certainty too. It's like, I want, I want to know like when I'm going to die so I can start living like it. Uh, Let me, let me give you some good news and bad news. You're alive today. Why don't you put an amen on that? Here's the bad news. You're not always going to be alive. I mean, you'll live eternally, and it's spiritual, and we'll be with God, and yay. I want to go to heaven, and I'm going to be there, and I'll see you there. But, but I like life. <sighs> you know what I would say to my kids when they were growing up? Keila's sitting here on the front row, and she can tell you. When they were little bitty, I'd go, I already miss you. They'd be going, Daddy, we're right here. And about that time, I was taking them to the doctor. I'm talking about I was the doctor. Like they tell me they had a little heart in their body. I said, let's fix that. I put them up on the, the counter and I pull out a rolling pin. I go, tell me where it hurts. And tell me, I start rolling their body and they'd start laughing. And all of a sudden, then I, now, I don't recommend you do this with your kids, but this was me. Um, I'd find the biggest butcher knife I had 
And I pulled the butcher knife out. I said, okay, we're going to fix this thing. I want you to tell me right where it hurts. They'd be laughing their heads off. And I'd turn the butcher knife on the other side and I'd start sawing on them. So don't, you know, I, that's one thing I'm saying, don't follow me in that. I, I kind of messed them all up a little bit. Cause... But here's what I want to tell you. Listen. God meant for your need for uncertainty to drive you towards him, not to fear like Mary did. You see, even the good things that make us uncertain, watch this, are not meant to scare us. This is what the angel was trying to emphasize with Mary. Don't don't be afraid. This is a good thing. And oh, by the way, I just want you to know, here's the kind of future you're going to have. And, and by the way, what she ends up doing is agreeing with it. So let, your, let it be unto me according to your word. So anyway, let your uncertainty about whatever it is in your life right now that you're uncertain about drive you to have faith in God. So how to get a glimpse of heaven on earth, what the angel in that story is doing is giving him a glimpse that he asked for. You see, all of us have a chance to get a glimpse. When we get married, we have a glimpse of what we think marriage is going to be. When we start a job, we have a glimpse of what we want our career to look like. We, we only have a glimpse, and if we're going to get a glimpse of our heaven on earth, here's the first thing in your notes, you've got to get a glimpse of what God wants for you. The tension in this story is that Jack wants what Jack wants. That here he was in 1987 and he's with this person that he loves so much. But when she gives him a glimpse for what she sees and for what she wants, he doesn't want the same thing that she wants. And he says, well, I do want the same thing, but hey, I got to go do this and me going and do this. Doing this isn't going to change what you're saying, but it did change. A glimpse is an experience that gives you an idea of what something is like. And yet most of us, we just have life. Life comes in glimpses. And here's the fact. Whatever it is that you see for yourself is what you get. What you see is what you get. Some people never realize that. No, what you see is what you get. Your glimpse is very important. And that's what we're seeing unfold in Jack's life. You know, every man, wow, that, that guy made it, right? I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's rolling. He's in New York. He's got his own company. I mean, he owns that building. He's, he's, he's like rolling, but she's nowhere to be found. Because the glimpse that she had and the glimpse that he had were two different glimpses. And here's, here's the bottom line. At best, you've only got a glimpse of your life right now. You've got your past. But as it relates to your future, you've only got a glimpse of what's going to be happening in your future. So if you're going to get a glimpse of heaven on earth, and that's really what the Christmas story is about. It's, it's heaven visiting earth. It's an angel interrupting Mary to say, you're blessed and you're highly favored. And she's scared by that. She's scared by the way he says it. She's scared by his approach. She's fearful. And then he says, you're going to get pregnant. And you're going to have a son. And he, he starts giving her these glimpses. And then she says, well, hey, can I ask a question? Well, sure. Like, how's this going to be? Like, you're talking about me being pregnant. I don't even have a man. 
Like I've never known a man. I'm, I'm like, I'm like engaged, but I've never, you're talking about all this stuff. And then you're not only telling me that, but you're telling me what's going to happen in this man's life. In other words, through me, the son of God or the kingdom of God is going to be released. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I don't see how this could work. But then here's her, here's her conclusion. But let it be according to me, to me, according to your word. Here, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I don't know where you are in your life today, but get a glimpse of what God wants for you. Begin to ask that question. God, what, what is it that you want for me and for my life? Otherwise, you're going to be trying to figure it out like Jack was trying to figure it out. And like my friend Zig Ziglar said a long time ago, some people climb the ladder of success and they get to the top and realize that it was leaning against the wrong wall. In other words, what they were hoping to find when they got there was never there. Unfortunately, most of us can't get an alternative glimpse of what it could have been or what it should have been. And yet at the same time, if we're going to get a glimpse of heaven on earth, and you say, well, why do we want to get a glimpse of heaven on earth? Because God didn't just make you to have a boring life. God didn't just make you to have a normal marriage. God didn't just make you to have a normal job. God didn't just make you to go through struggles. You're a son and daughter of the most high God in the earth, and God has great things in store for you. So we've got to get a glimpse, watch this now, of what God wants for us. But then here's the second thing. We've got to align what we want with what God wants. The, the story continues in Luke, the first chapter, the 45th verse. Blessed is she who believed for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Here's what I want everybody to say with me. Say, there will be fulfillment. In other words, this is, this is, this is the word of God, her saying to herself, there will be fulfillment of those things which the Lord has spoken. The Bible says that Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul, my will, my mind, and my emotions make what God has said bigger than what anybody else says. My mind, my will, and my emotions make God bigger than my present circumstance. My mind, my will, and my emotions, I magnify the Lord so that he is the most important thing in my life. And I align everything that I want with what he wants. The Bible goes on to say this, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me in his holy name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Can I just stop right here and just let's pause for a minute and let's speak to our future. I don't know what, what your future looks like and I don't even know what my future looks like. But here's what I can say. I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to make God bigger so that no matter what's in my future, my belief in God and the fulfillment of the promise 
promises and the purposes and his presence in my life is going to overtake anything negative in my future. And my future is going to be better because whatever God says, that's what's going to happen. Come on, y'all. Prophesy to your future. Everybody say this with me. Say future. Come on, do this. Say future. I'm coming. But God has already gone before me. And he's got good things for me in my future. Come on, you're speaking to your future right now. You might say, oh, that doesn't matter. Yeah, let me tell you how much it matters. Because most people are talking about their past. And it's messing up their future. Let's start talking to our future. I got a great future. God says, I know the future. And by the way, it's going to be good. I'm going to give you good and not evil. I'm going to give you a future and a hope and an expected end. Start speaking those things that are not as though they were into your future. The Bible goes on to say this, and his mercy is on those who fear him. God knows you're going to mess up. He's merciful. He's the great redeemer. He's shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty in their thrones. He has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. You see, if we align what we want with what God wants, there's two things, and it's in your notes there. We have to decide what matters most to us, and we have to decide who we want to grow through life with. Not go through life with, but grow through life with. Two of the most important decisions you'll ever make, and it can change the trajectory of your life and your future, is to decide what's important to you. Many of you have heard my story about Pastor Sheila and I as, as teenagers. I knew in my heart what was important. I wanted a, a right relationship with God. I wanted to serve God. I wanted God's will for my life. And therefore, it determined who I was going to date and eventually who I was going to marry. So how insane is it when I'm sitting with Sheila for the first time, asking her to be my girlfriend on January 20th, 1976, and I'm drawing the triangle. Many of you know the story, and if you don't, you ask somebody. But I'm drawing the triangle. I'm saying, this is you, this is me, this is God. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm basically prophesying over our future. And I'm asking her not just to be my girlfriend, but what I'm really asking her is this question. Are the same things important to you that are important to me? And if that day she had said, I'm really not interested in that, we wouldn't be together today. So I'm going to say something that's going to freak you out, and I hope it does. My values are more important than my relationship with Sheila. And because I'm a man of values, it makes what we have wonderful. And sometimes wonderfully difficult. Why? Because the truth is, I know what I want in life. And because I want in life, I invited her to join me. And to say, hey, this is what I want. This is what I see. This is the glimpse of what I think is the future for us. And when I'm doing this and we're having these talks at 16 and 15, she's like, oh, okay, and here's what I want to tell you. Somebody in your relationship, if you're married, has to have the glimpse of the future that you want. Because you both may not want the same thing, but somebody's got to give a glimpse of what you do want for the future. And it's not a male or female thing. Somebody's got to say, here's what's important to me, but watch this. So many people fall in love. Church, hear me. Thousands of people right now on, the, on Facebook and YouTube and, and the internet that are alive and will watch this in the future. There is no such thing as falling in love. It's a myth. 
You have feelings for somebody and then you act on your feelings. You don't fall in love. We've all been taught this and it doesn't work. Let me tell you why it doesn't work. Because if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. You need to understand in your own heart of hearts, here's what's important to me. And then not only align what you want based on what's important to you with God, but all of your other alignments will be dictated by what's important to you, not by how you feel about somebody. Because what will separate people, let's just talk about divorce for a minute, is when there is infidelity, nobody signs up for that. And it happens one out of every two couples. So would you say that's a values difference? Would you say that affects your ability to feel love with somebody? Okay, oh, y'all aren't talking to me. Oh yeah, no, in case you don't know, that messes stuff up. So you can say, well, I'm in love. Well, if you were in love, then why would you do that? See, that's the myth. The myth is you didn't clarify your values that kept you out of bed with somebody else. Listen, now for those people that have been betrayed, it wasn't about you. This is the mistake people that have been betrayed make. They make somebody's stupid decision about them and it messes up the future of what they could have because somebody didn't value what both of you need to value that makes this thing worth loving and living and being together. And that's what I want. This is the real, real, y'all. People are going to make mistakes and do stupid things. And what will keep you together is not because you stayed out of the arms of somebody else. Listen to me. What will keep you together is if you come back to what you value most. Men, let me talk to you for just a minute. If a woman knows what you value, and especially if she knows you value God, she will go to hell and back with you, but she will not stay in hell with you. And what builds the confidence in a woman is not because you make money, not because you're good looking, not because you can provide a good living for your children. What makes you valuable is that you love God that you value and you want what God wants. And that is the sexiest thing that a woman will ever see in a man. It ain't your magnificence. Girl, you about to get some of this. I know, I know that's what you've been wanting. Hey, by the way, I got a big checkbook too. Oh, but here's the other thing. I got three other women on the side, but you better feel lucky you got me. I hope I'm preaching up in, huh? I hope you're getting this. That's why I'm telling you, let me say it again. As your pastor, as a spiritual father in this house, my values are more important than Sheila. But my values are what makes Sheila and I work. She's not the most important thing in my life. My values are. Never heard that preached, have you? That's what's wrong, is that we don't get it. We make that person so important. Listen to me. And then when that person that's so important to us makes us feel so important, so unimportant, that's how we walk away. Because we think in our mind, if I was that important to them, they would have never done that. No, no, no. Rewind, erase. If you had focused on what you both value, then even if there's a mistake made, you come back and you reaffirm. I blew it. 
This is what I value. I choose you. I choose us. It's not my job, honey. It's not that woman, honey. It's not that situation. I choose us. And in our case, we choose him. Therefore, we can choose us. Come on, y'all. I hope you hear that. So decide what matters most to you and decide who you want to grow through life with. And it's, it's in your notes, and I'll just read it to you, and then we'll watch our last movie clip. Who you choose to align yourself with will determine your next level in life. Whether you go up, whether you go down, whether your life gets better or worse, whether you move forward or whether you move backwards, and most importantly, find fulfillment or disillusionment. Here is the myth, ladies and gentlemen. We think if we find that person, it'll fulfill us. No, 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 no. If your values aren't clear, that person can never be enough. That person can never be enough. But watch this. We both want the same thing, so we're working towards that in our uncertainty. And that's what our, Sheila and I's number one bond is not that, baby, I just love you so much. I'll, I could never love any other woman like you. That's not our bond. Our bond is, not, she, she just loves me. I'm, I'm the greatest man in the world. Now, I want to believe that, y'all. But that's not our bond. Our bond is we both value the same things. And that provides an incubator for love between us to grow. And that provides the mercy for us when we're not what we should have been. And when we're not getting a glimpse of heaven on earth, but we're getting a glimpse of hell on earth. It's not love will keep us together. No, it won't. Love will not keep you together. Your values will keep you together. So what are my personal values? Here's my personal values. Close relationship with God. That trumps everything. Close relationship with Sheila. Close relationship with my kids. What's my, my top three core values? What's the one word? Relationships are important to me. My health is important to me. That's number four. To contribute time, knowledge, and money is important to me. In other words, you have to decide what matters most to you and then build a life based on your values. I'm not telling you what to value. I'm just telling you that's the way it works. And Jack is proving it. He thought it was about money, success, Ferraris, big office, not wearing Zenas. And here in the, in the little clip, he's starting to, all of a sudden his values, right in front of you, his values are starting to change. And then watch this, this, almost every woman here, not all the women, but almost every woman here has felt what she felt on the bed at some point because she knows how she feels about him and she prepares this gift and she's, and then, Again, it's shown in the movie. We don't, we don't do it like this, but it's the same thing. My hands are out based on my expectation from you. And most women like about 100% are the ones on the bed with their hand out, and they feel like they've given and they've given and they've given, and he does not even remember. That's why we need to get a glimpse a glimpse of what heaven on earth looks like. 
and want what God wants and then align what we want with what God wants and then align our lives and our values with people who value the same things. And then our life might can change like Jack's did. So a glimpse of heaven on earth is really what you want. It would be whatever heaven on earth is for you. But you see what happens is when we understand that God has this amazing plan for each of our lives. And he's given this, us this manual. Like if I'll, just, if I'll just do what this book says, it's the map. It's the map to great relationships. It's the map to riches. In this book, there's a, actually a scripture that says, by humility and fear of the Lord come riches, honor, and life. This, this book is filled with everything that we need to achieve success. But you see, if I'm going to get a glimpse like Jack did, he finally got a glimpse. And the difference, by the way, in this story was she told him what she saw in 1987, and he walked off. But when he told her what he saw, she didn't walk away. It's not a male or female thing. Just really hear what I'm telling you. Both as an individual and in a marriage, somebody's got to have the glimpse of what's possible. And it's not ever going to be equal. When I'm sitting down with Sheila in high school drawing the triangle, she wasn't thinking that. I was thinking that. Doesn't make me better than her. I just had the glimpse of what could be. And asking her, do you agree with this? Do you agree with this? Yes. Okay, then we can be boyfriend and girlfriend. Because I really like you. But if she had said, I don't agree with it, I'd have gone... That's awesome, and I know you're a great person. See ya. Why? Because where relationships get messed up and are messed up is when you make it about that person and not about God. When you make it about that person and not about what you want being aligned with what God wants and then striving to get on the same page so that when you go through tough times, and you will, and you go through stuff that would break other people up. The thing that keeps you together is not that you're a Christian. The thing that keeps you together is not that you're a believer. The thing that keeps you together is not that you love them more than somebody else loves somebody else. The thing that keeps you together is somewhere in the process you've aligned, you've gotten a glimpse. God, I want what you want for my life. I want what you want for my future. And God says, okay, that's a good starting point. Now, align your wants, not only with what I want for you, but the people in your life, do they want the same? things are you going the same direction that's when you start experiencing heaven on earth so the last thing I want to tell you this morning is if you're gonna get a glimpse of heaven on earth you have to discover what is your heaven on earth it's one of the greatest things you can ever do is discover what's heaven on earth for you I've got some simple things riding my motorcycle is some of my heaven on earth I, I just love it I, I love to get on a motorcycle I have since I was a kid and just ride and experience God and the wind blowing. So I have on earth. There's nothing spiritual about it except it connects me with God. I love driving cars. I, I, I've always loved cars. My dad messed me up. 69 Barracuda. I'm 11 years old. You want to drive? Yes. Yes. It bit me at 11. 
And it's never gone away, and I just love it. It's some of my heaven on earth. Worship is some of my heaven on earth. You know why? Because worship is when we connect with God. When we connect with God in worship, he brings heaven to earth. Some of my heaven on earth is water. I like to be around water. No, you have to know what your heaven on earth is and then invest in that and take some time in that and allow that thing that's heaven on earth to literally connect you with God. Some of my heaven on earth is preaching to you. But let me just be real honest. This doesn't do it for me. Like me sharing on stages, I've shared, many of you know, largest business leadership seminars in the world, thousands and thousands of people, promise keeper speaker, on and on. The crowds don't matter to me. Let me tell you what matters to me. What matters to me is if somehow God uses this imperfect vessel to connect with your imperfect vessel and somehow heaven comes to earth through something I say that God wanted you to hear and it changes your life. That's my heaven on earth. If you're just a person that just comes to church to check the box, that doesn't do it for me. But, what, but guess what? We're not, your life is not about me getting my heaven on earth. I'm just telling you what my heaven on earth is. Heaven on earth for me is working out. I believe that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so it's the one time in my day, early in the morning, where I physically exercise, I have worship music on, and I worship God. And, it's the, and let me just say, for me, it's the only time in my life where I connect spirit, soul, and body all at the same time. That's why working out has not become a discipline for me. It's a delight for me because I'm in the presence of God and I start my day like that. I'm not saying it to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that's some of my heaven on earth. You see, when you move from duty to delight, you've got heaven on earth. Marriage becomes a duty for people. I'm just doing my duty. But when you move from duty to delight, it becomes heaven on earth. You see, God wants you to know what your heaven on earth is. Why? Because you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. What is it that connects you to God? I want to pray for you. Here's what I want to tell you. In the end, Jack got it. We don't know the rest of the story. There wasn't a sequel. Whether they hooked up, got together, and had that family. But watch this. When he was speaking that over her, it had not happened yet. When the angel was speaking this over Mary, it had not happened yet. But the things that God speaks about the future come to pass. Oh, by the way, let me remind you of something. On September 30th, from this platform on a Sunday, I said, when the clock strikes 12 and it becomes October 1st, God is opening his good treasure over your life. And October and November, it's going to happen. So if it hadn't happened for you, it's coming in the name of Jesus. You can come into agreement with that and it could start to happen. Or you can say, oh, I don't think it's going to happen. And either way, you're right. But see, some people don't know how good they've got it. They have heaven living with them. And they've allowed themselves to get distracted. They've got heaven living with them and their children. But their life is so difficult, they're not taking time for their family. I didn't share this story for years because, frankly, Sheila even talked to me about it in between services. She said, she said I just don't want it to come across wrong to people. But I'll, the things I say to you, listen, don't ever interpret it as ego. I'm trying to just share some of my own life with you so you understand. In the 80s, I was approached, and here's what a few people were saying when I was in my 20s. 
You're the next Billy Graham. We want to help you get there. We started working with the Billy Graham Association, doing crusades alongside him. Long story short, it took me further and further away from my family. And with all due respect, I looked at Billy Graham. I looked at the price he paid for his family. I, I looked at him traveling six weeks and eight weeks and months at a time away from his family and away from his wife. And for me, I said, as I began to study him, and he's a hero of mine, I said, that's not what I want. The largest crusade I ever did personally was in San Diego, California. 27 churches were there. I had two crusade directors that went in and set it up. It's every minister's dream to fill stadiums. Because you think you're making a difference if you do that. And my thought process was, here's, I've got these two guys with families and kids that are going and moving from city to city, setting up these crusades so hundreds of thousands of people can get saved. But that's not what I want for my life, so how can I want that for their life? I don't want it for their life. And after that very successful crusade, I came back to Sheila and I said, I'm not doing it. My kids had no idea. I said, I'm not doing it because I choose us. In fact, what I do, Sheila, I want you with me. You see, there wouldn't be Elevate Life Church if Sheila wasn't with me. She's not the pastor's wife. She's a co-pastor with me. She's equal in this deal. She's the mother of this house. If she wasn't with me, I wouldn't do it. Let me just tell you, listen, so many people are trying to reach their dream. I don't care about my dream if they're not in it and now if you're not in it. It's the truth because it's not just about the Kraft family, it's about our family of choice that we get to do something in our places, Frisco, Texas, y'all, that somehow God placed us here when there was just 28,000 people because he knew the future. And he said, I'm going to plant me a people in Frisco, Texas. And if this city is going to be renowned, there's going to be a church that's going to go from this place that will touch the world. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. It ain't about just a good little church experience. God's got something for us to do that's going to change the world. Come on. I know some of y'all are freaking out right now, but everybody stand up. Some of y'all just came to have church today. That day I sat across from her, she just thought it was about being my girlfriend. God's got more for you than just your marriage, sir, ma'am. He's got more for you than just your kids, mom. You see, when you make it about your kids... When you make it about your marriage, when you make it about your home, when you make it about your life and all your money goes for all that, then guess what you got, whatever that is. But when you make it about God and you make your family about God and your marriage about God and your money about God, then guess what he does? He says, you know what? You're my son and my daughter in the earth. By the way, I'm not a genie, I'm God. Genies just answer three wishes. I'm going to make every wish you have come true because your life is about me. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.